0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Aussie Tech Ed. It is episode 530. I'm Glenn Goodman and uh yeah, welcome. Hope your week's been great. We're joined this week by our regular Jason Oakley and special guest Adam Turner from the Sydney Morning Herald Tech Journalist. So let's say day to Adam first, see what he's been up to. Hi Adam, how you doing?
1: Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. No, yeah, I'm doing well. Doing That's well. good.
0: That's good. I think we've seen you before. It's been a while, but we have seen yeah, you before.
1: It's been a while, but <laughs> I've been here before, yeah. <laughs> That's right.
0: And, uh, Jace, how are you going?
2: Pretty good, thanks.
0: Yeah, excellent work. Excellent work. Now, uh, Adam, what have you been up to since we last. Uh, spoke, I know you've been doing your vertical hold podcast. Uh now you just I just you just enlightened me to say that's uh audio now, that's all on iTunes and all that sort of guff. Get it anywhere?
1: Uh, yeah, we started off as a video show for a year or two and made the move to go audio and weekly instead of fortnightly. And that's kind of made it easier to bring in guests as well. So we sort of, we have a different tech journal on every week and we sort of try and talk about the topics of the week, whether it be, you know, the NBN or the Samsung Galaxy S8 or whatever. And yeah, it's going pretty well.
0: Right. Good stuff. Well, seeing that you brought up the NBN, I'm going to pick your brain about the NBN (laughs) because uh, that's what we do.
2: Glenn wants it so bad.
0: (laughs) I know. I do want it so bad. Now, uh... Seeing that you're in the know, uh, we're we due to get it uh, next year, June, June to December next year, I think, up here on the or in my particular part of the Gold Coast, uh, we're mm-hmm. at the moment we're on the Telstra cable, so I believe we're going to shoot over to HFC. Uh, what, what's your take on the NBN? Is it is it going along as planned, or is it uh, s- s- stalling in places? A
1: bit of a dog's breakfast. They're bringing it together, but there's a lot of hiccups at the moment, particularly because it's just in the last six months or so that they've really started to push moving people over to HFC. Mm. Uh, the middle of last year, they did their first HFC rollout in uh, Redcliffe. I think it is in Queensland. And that was a bit of a, a test rollout. And originally they were going to use all the Telstra HFC cable and all the Optus HFC cable. Mm. So mm. if you have one of those two cables in your street, that's how you're going to get the NBM. And a lot of people said, you know what, the, Tel- the Optus cable is actually not very good. And they went, no, 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 it's fine. We know what we're talking about. And after a year went, yeah, you're yeah. right. Actually, the Optus cable's not very good, no. <laughs> so they're ditching the Optus cable. They're not going to keep that anymore. Right. So this could actually work out to be good news for you, depending on where you live. Well, I'm with the tel-
0: a- yeah, sorry. I think I'm with the Telstra uh, hate or Telstra cable. But are you saying that so the Optus cable that was the overhead cable that they they rolled uh, out? It
1: depend- depended on your street. Depending right. where you live, I think in in a lot of places it was an overhead cable. Okay. Um, but there was a lot of overlap between the Telstra cable and the Optus cable. So what will happen is if you have Telstra cable in your street, Mm. then you will almost certainly, that's how you'll get the MBN. If you're hooked up, they'll switch you over. If you're not hooked up to it at the moment, but it's in your street, they'll probably come back and hook you up. If it's in your suburb, but not in your street, then you might get it or you might get something else. It's always been a bit iffy. Mm. But if you were in a street where they had Optus cable and not Telstra cable, well, then you're not getting cable anymore because they're not keeping that Optus cable. Yes. But what they decided to do then was to give those people um, fiber to the curb, which is better than fiber to the So It's basically fiber to the footpath. But it's not everybody who is in the Optus footprint that's getting fiber to the curb. It's only if you're in the Optus footprint that doesn't overlap with Telstra. So if you've got the Telstra (laughs) cable, you're getting that. But if you're outside the Telstra network and would have got the Optus network, now, you're probably going to get fiber to the cable. Now, when fiber of the cable first launched last year, I was there, the same thing up in Redcliffe. And Bill Morrow was telling us, oh, this is just a, a thing we're going to use here and there when it, when it suits us. It's, it's a pinch hitter sort of thing. It's not a mainstream rollout technology. And mm-hmm. at the time, it was only going to be 300,000 premises and then they said, oh, yeah, but we're bringing in all the Optus cable people, so now it's 700,000 premises. And then a couple of weeks ago, they went, oh, yeah, and we're actually going to extend (laughs) it to 300,000 more premises. So it's now up to 1 million homes getting fiber to the premises.
0: Yes, right.
1: It's still not as cheap as fiber to the node to roll out, but in some places it's cheaper or more economical because part of the reason is if you want to run fiber to the node, you've got to put a node somewhere and you've got to run power to it which right. is a real pain when you're in the middle of nowhere. But fibre to the curb is so close that the gear out in the street actually draws power from your house.
0: Uh, okay, right. So you're in right. the middle of
1: nowhere and they can't put a powered node near you, they yep. can get the fibre so close to the house that you've basically got your little mini node out in the footpath right. and you power it. So some, if that means they don't have to build all that power infrastructure and build that node then maybe it worked out more economic to give you fiber to the curb than fiber to the oh, node. Geez. And that's why it's a dog spray that's certainly is. <laughs> and isn't that's it? only that's... the beginning. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll give yeah. you the short version. I mean, how many hours have you got? <laughs>
0: that's right. The so I've been
1: writing about recently yeah. is that once they just, de- sorry, excuse me.
0: Yeah. So um fiber to the the curb. I think it's, it's, it's all like, going to, yeah, yep. it's all coming. Uh, we just got to be yeah. patient. And uh,
1: once you, they decided to roll out fiber to the curb, um sorry once they decided to go big on cable they ran into all these activation problems due to some of it was to do with the modem some of it was to do back at the exchange so all these people got hooked up to MBN cable and then the cable wouldn't activate but what? meanwhile their telco had canceled their dsl connection because you don't need it anymore because you got cable so right. here you are with nothing your dsl's cut off your MBN's not working so you go back to your isp and say well dude my MBN's not working can you put my uh, CSL back on. Right. So your ISP goes to Telstra Wholesale and what? says, This guy's got no NBN. Can you put his copper back on? And Telstra Wholesale said, Nah, no. can't do nothing for you, man, because mm-hmm. there's this rule called c sale that says once an area is NBN ready for service, you can't mm-hmm. have any more copper services. Yeah. Now, okay. this was not designed to stop people having no, make sure people got no broadband. It was just designed to make sure that people eventually migrated across. Mm. There are rules in there that say technically, if you that your internet service providers should be able to say to Telstra Wholesale, look, we only need to turn this back on for a little while because the MBN activation has failed, and we don't want to leave these people with no internet. But that's what's happening. There are people out there who've had no broadband since January because of this. Are you now? The problem can be fixed, but no one wants to deal with it. Telstra Wholesale, the MBN, the A Triple C, everybody who I've spoken to pretty much says it's not my fault talk to somebody else or our hands are tied. So I spent the last two weeks on the phone with all of these people trying mm-hmm. to actually get to the point where I can get them to agree to help these people. And I'm
0: pretty close. <laughs>
1: Hopefully next week I'll have a story on it right. or oh, I've stuck a lot of time into this one. <laughs>
0: all right. Well, let, give me, give me five minutes to digest that. I, I, I might have a few questions and I'll get to, that was chapter one. I'll get to those in a minute. All right, I've 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 had some I've had five minutes now, uh, Adam. Uh, everyone in Australia, well, most of the people in Australia, are going to get the NBN no matter what type of means. So, do you yeah. is, is are people happy to get the NBN? Are they connecting up like crazy, or is there is there a bit of a lag? People going, oh, who cares? I'm happy with DSL or I'm happy with my phone. You know, um, what's the uptake? Sort of like
1: the uptake has not been as fast as they would like in some areas, and that's a problem for them because they need to get people on it quickly because then they become paying customers and that helps their their business model, right? Mm. There is pent up demand for it. There are people like us who will, the day it's available, say, "Hey, give it to me." And the problem is that you're most likely run into the problems I talked about before because it's new. Yeah. But no, there's a lot of people who are not rushing into it either because they don't care that much about the MBN or they've got half decent DSL. I mean, I was on four megabit DSL until recently and very unreliable. So mm. I jumped at the chance to get off that onto Telstra cable and had the MBN come along again. They won. Yeah, put me on it. But a lot <laughs> yes. of people are like, I've got DSL. I've got 10 megabits per second. I watch Netflix. My kids have iPads. We've got what we want. Mm. The MBN's is going to cost me more because the wholesale price of the MBN is higher than the wholesale price of DSL. So it's yeah, going right. to cost me more. And I keep hearing that it's not it's not mm. reliable and all this, so I'll
0: just sort of wait Stick. and see what happens. Yeah, I know. Like, like for me, and probably for a lot of you know people in the in you know doing with all the the tech industry or whatever, we want the up speed. Like I'm on cable. Oh,
1: upload absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah, because yeah, I'm on cable at what two and a half up, and I still can't Facebook live stream uh, from the <laughs> yeah. PC. Uh, and yeah. Facebook say they want five up. But all right, um, Jace, did you have any questions for Adam on the NBN while he's here?
2: I think a part of the problem is even if people are lagging and say, I couldn't really afford the NBN if what usually happens as Adam mentioned before happened in the town that I'm in, once the NBN comes there, they cut off the copper and you can't say, I want to stick with my DSL cause it's working fine because either you have NBN or you have nothing. And even people who don't mm. have internet and just want a phone service and that's it because what is even internet, but- they they have to have nbn telephone they can't have copper cable
0: yeah uh yeah so what
2: you a you have 18 months before you switch over but yeah. the
1: piece, you like can't Optus. stay forever. No, yeah. not forever. He's supposed to have 18 months, but Optus was ringing people up and saying, Hey, guess what? You got 30 days. We're going <laughs> wow. to cut your phone off Excellent. until uh, a certain journalist wrote a story about it. And they went, Oh, did we say 30 days? Oops. Sorry. We meant three months. Ago. Oh, I think I might've seen
2: that article by some journalist or some, other. Some, Deal,
0: I know for the Sydney Herald. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well done. Uh, now, look, the internet, what do you use it for? Well, you're going to use it to buy stuff off Amazon, aren't you? Because uh, Amazon has been rumoured for a while, but Amazon is coming to Australia. It's finally made the official announcement that, it'll end up re- that it will set up its retail business in Australia, ending years of speculation. Now, there's no official launch date as yet. Rumours have speculated that Amazon will arrive in September of this year. Uh, look, they've said to be on the hunt for a warehouse. Uh, it's to become one of their first fulfillment centers, it's going to take up around ninety-three thousand square meters. And surprisingly, they're looking Sydney, Melbourne, or Brisbane. So, uh, yeah, good. Uh, there uh, and there's a quote here from Amazon: "We're ex- excited to bring thousands of new jobs to Australia, millions of dollars in additional investment, and to empower small Australian businesses through Amazon Marketplace." Now, uh, Amazon, as you know, it's just like eBay, I guess. Uh, I'm not, don't think it's too different to eBay. But, but my uh, question on this is how do we feel about buying online in general like is there some items that you'd rather buy or go to JB Hi-Fi to actually physically touch and and, and kiss or is everyone just happy to buy online sight unseen? Um,
2: I, I used to be um, one of those going into the stores in fact we needed a dryer a couple of months ago and we went into our local store And um, they didn't have the model I wanted, even though it was advertised on the website. And I did a search, I was sure it was going to be in our local store. Um, They said it wasn't there, but you could order it from their online store. So I went online, ordered it, and a week later it turned up on a truck and couldn't have been easier. It was was, uh, cheaper to order it online. The delivery was cheaper than going into the store and purchase it and having the delivery Mm. from there. For some Hmm. reason, to deliver it from their store was twice as much as to get it directly (laughs) delivered to your house. So, but is this well? I've just saved money, and it arrived. It's it's worked fine. It's just as good as if I had have gone in there. Is this didn't get to see it?
0: Is this like an item that you had gone to a bricks and mortar store to to look at before purchasing? Yeah. So
2: they didn't have any any in the store at all either. They mm. had the next model up which cost an extra hundred dollars. So I So you technically that. bought it sight unseen though, you're saying? Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I had but a it's
2: a, a good model. We knew the model because we've got the same model fridge Do we do a lot of research, product review websites oh, yeah. and things like this, get people's opinions and uh wine pool, I mean whirlpool, <laughs> check <laughs> on there, everyone's got an opinion about everything on there. And yes. um yeah, found found the one we wanted and it works fantastic. So we're very happy.
0: Yeah, so Adam, what do you think about the the online versus bricks and mortar? Do they each have their place?
1: totally depends on what you're buying. If you're buying something that you know what you're getting, it's pretty much a standard wherever you get it from, then you just shop around for the cheapest price. Mm. Uh, I bought a notebook recently and I didn't want to buy it online because being a journalist, I care about the keyboard more than anything else. And so I went into JB Hi-Fi and I went into Works where they have a dozen of them lined up. And I, I tested them all out and picked the one that I wanted, right, and bought it in the shop. And they, they, they did me a good price on it, not because like, not I'm a journalist, but just because it's a store. And they say, oh, yeah, we can knock 50 bucks off that. Mm. So in the end, I probably got it as cheap as I would have got it had I shopped online. But then I realized that I needed a few adapters and stuff for it. So um, I went and bought all them online because I knew exactly what they were going to be. I did not go to a shop and I looked around and it was cheaper to find them online anyway. I'll get delivered to my mailing address. I don't get stuff delivered to my house because curries are (laughs) a pain. So next time I go and pick up my mail, it'll be there. So why would I stuff around going to the shops for that? Hmm. Uh, I wouldn't buy clothes online unless I bought the exact same thing before and I knew what I was getting. But I'll buy, like I'll buy a, a Blu-ray disc online because yeah. it's the same thing. It doesn't matter where I buy it from, as long as you know what you're getting. Yeah. Buying online, fine.
0: What about things like? Because I, 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 was looking through the Kogan store online. Uh, they had this 65-inch. Well, you're inch... a brave man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they had this six. Hi, Rosalind, if you're watching. <laughs> they had this 65-inch TV, and yeah, uh, you know, I. Forty-nine dollars. Yeah, and I've been umming and arm for ages about should you go down that road of buying a TV, sight unseen, brand really, untested unseen. Uh, no,
1: no, 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 no. You're talking <laughs> to the wrong guy, though. I test... I review $10,000 televisions, right? So right. you are talking to the wrong guy. There's no... I would slap any of my friends that did that, and they're not dumb enough to do it because they know I would slap mm. them if I caught them. Well, that- um, I care about picture quality. There's no way I would buy a TV without looking at it first. Mm. Unfortunately, even when you look at them in the shops, they don't look as good as they can because they set them up in store mode, they bump up the colors, you're under terrible lighting. So... It is a bit hard to judge. You, you want to go by reviews as well and not just one reviewer, but yes, a few right. reviews, people who look for different things, people like me, I care about picture quality. I don't mm. care about style at all. Other people will talk about the style and the build of the TV, but there's no way i just go to a website and, yeah, click, give me that one. You get what you deserve if you do that. <laughs> yes. I've got no but, sympathy for you at all.
0: But they actually, they Kogan made up my mind for me because uh, – uh, that they won't ship to the Gold Coast. I, I said, "What are you talking about?" Ooh. So, sixty-five inch TV, uh, it would, yeah. they wouldn't ship it. So I, I got on there. I said, "There's something wrong with the card. It won't let me through." And it was uh, just turned out they said, "Well, the TV's too big. We can't ship it to the Gold Coast because wow. you're regional." And I went, "Oh, okay, no worries." <laughs> it's not that regional. <laughs> yeah, I <know. laughs> yeah. So I went, "I went, no worries." And uh, then I, I got an email from them the next day saying they want to sell me furniture. I think, well, They're not going to be sending that to the Goldie yeah, yeah, either, yeah. are they? Yeah. So, um. But yeah, yeah. the television to it. Just send it in one big bundle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they missed out on that one. And you know, I said, I said to the wife, "Oh, look, maybe it's a good omen." You know, because I, you know, you don't know. I just say, "Look, well, I'm, Adam I'm will slap me and we yeah. don't want that." <laughs> I'm in the picture quality and everything else like that. but uh, yeah. look I, don't, up.
2: I don't mind if it's something like a uh, electronic gadget. You know, I got my LG G3 from Kogan. Because uh, my carrier was being a pain. I was staying with a friend for a couple of months and they wouldn't send it there because they can only send it to my address on record that they have and it must be signed by me. And I wasn't going to be there for two months, but I wanted the phone. So um, (laughs) it was on parole. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I I got it from um, Kogan. It was ordered on Thursday night. Friday, it was shipped from Singapore and arrived Monday in Melbourne. So. What's the warranty like? Is it international
1: warranty because it's kind of a grey import? Then I'm not sure.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Probably a good
1: idea. Because some things you can buy doesn't matter where you buy them from because they have an international warranty, but Mm. others don't, and that's what you've got to watch out for. You're saving a few bucks, but if there's a problem with it, what do you do with it? Do you have to send it back to Kogan, who will send it back to Singapore or Hong Kong, or do Mm. you have to send it straight back there? There. The more you're spending, the more you should care about that kind
0: of. So thing. when you when you are looking at when you review these TVs, uh, so even uh, do you review lower end TVs or, or no, you just no, stick to the no, high I don't end? Bother.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I don't. Bother if it's because,
2: not 4K with a curved screen, he doesn't care. Oh, I hate
1: curved screens, but even sure. that, like because I'm a generalist, right? I do a bit of everything. I don't have time to look at every TV the same way. I don't have time to look at every smartphone, every whatever. Mm. So I just do. The flagship models i'll look at the top of the line samsung i'll look at the top of the line lg the top of the line sony maybe the panasonic and they're the ones that i will i will write about but there are places cnet's pretty good cnet mm. you'll find that when you're looking at something they've reviewed everything in the category yeah so i would be more okay you're you're the reader and you go oh i'm interested in a top shelf television here adam's writing about this or i was interested in buying that LG OLED. actually let's see what adam's got to say about it but if you want to review you want to know the whole dozen in that category in that price range i'm your one of the resources you look at but you'd also go like i said Mm. somewhere like cnet has always been good for that
0: so what what would your comment be if i said to you oh look look, this this kogan tv had a samsung panel or something like that still still leave them alone
1: this is what kogan's been saying for years we've got samsung panels so therefore we're as good as a samsung Mm. uh if i sold you a ferrari and it had a Volkswagen motor in it, but told you, look, it must be a Ferrari because it's got a Ferrari shell. Would you mm. believe me? Mm. That's pretty so much what it is. There's an interesting
2: show on YouTube where these guys yeah. were buying Ferrari shells and repackaging other cars and then selling them. Well, made a lot yeah. of money for a while <laughs> without wanting long. to be
1: too nasty about it that's a little bit about what we're talking about here because it's also it's not just the panel it's a lot of it's about the the smarts in the, not the smarts is in the Netflix but the, yeah. the video processing that's my the, biggest worry. the incoming picture especially if what you're watching is not in 4k mm. and it has to upscale it. Yep. There's a really big difference between a cheap and nasty TV yes. and a good TV. And that's what you're paying for yeah. is that video processing and stuff like that. And that's where you, you want to spend Yeah. That and
0: room. that's that's probably where my problem or my uh, issue lay was, yeah, I just didn't, you just don't know if it's got motion blur or, or what yep. it's going to have and because you haven't you, seen when it. When it
1: comes in the post, you don't find out until <laughs> it's too late. No,
0: that's right. That's right. But anyway, um, look, uh, so Amazon, <laughs> yeah, so um, well, I'm sure there'll be TVs on Amazon, but uh, there'll be probably every everything on Amazon. It'll probably they reckon it's going to uh, chew into the local market into Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi and it, it probably will too. But uh, look I know uh, we've got an eBay story coming up pretty soon. Uh, I think one of Jace's stories so uh, we'll stay tuned for that.
2: eBay is threatened to block Australians from using its platform if the government pushes ahead with its unworkable online GST changes. Under new laws slated to come into effect from July 1, overseas businesses with an annual turnover of $75,000 or more will be required to register with the ATO to collect GST on all goods sold, including purchases under the current low value threshold of $1,000. Treasurer Scott Morrison claims the changes are about ensuring Australian businesses do not continue to be unfairly disadvantaged by the current GST exemption that applies to imports of low value goods. Major retailers, including Harvey Norman and Premier Investments, have long lobbied for the change, saying it level the playing field against the likes of Amazon, ASOS, and eBay. But in a scathing submission to Senate inquiry, eBay has joined a growing chorus speaking out against the changes, describing it as a hastily introduced, counterproductive, complex, inconsistent, and unworkable bill that will harm Australian consumers in many ways. Well, when you think about that one, Adam, it sounds... <laughs> We're going to, we're going to be kicked. We're going to need Oz or just use the trading post online Gumtree. They
1: they are bluffing. There's no way they're going to leave Australia. I understand why they're unhappy about it, but it's not hastily. We've been talking about this for a long time. It's been coming Mm. and it doesn't really seem that unreasonable and it's not like, when you shop on... Um, Jared Harvey's been complaining for years, saying, oh, it's not fair. People shop online. They don't have to pay GST. I can't buy
2: another racehorse yeah, this
1: week. Exactly. <laughs> but it's not... But the price difference is not... But, you know, they shop overseas. But even if you pay GST, sometimes you're paying so much on the Australia tax. It's a little bit better these days. But the Australia tax was so high that the GST was not actually a factor. Even if you would charge the 10%, it was still a bargain to buy yeah. it online. But it's not unreasonable, I don't think, to expect stores... And we're not the only bloody... Country in the world with a goods and services tax. Like they've had to deal with this elsewhere, the Mm. the VAT and whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's Uh, right. It's not hastily thought out. They've been talking about it for a long time. You could argue that maybe the threshold should be a little bit higher, a little bit lower, because it becomes if it's costing them a few cents to process it, and it's you know, are they getting their money? But they're not gonna, they're not gonna walk away. Mm. And any, it's maybe one of the reasons why Amazon is looking at coming here because they will then lose that advantage, right? Amazon now online will have to charge the extra GST. So once you're losing that advantage, then there's more advantage, there's more reason for them to come here, if you know what I mean, because they lose that online um, advantage.
2: Amazon being physically here, will they be able to have a less uh, large size uh, Australia tax and be able to undercut some of the local ones? The Australia tax on Amazon is shipping. That's right.
1: what kills you on Amazon is the shipping. You can always look on Amazon and everything is cheaper than here, but you've got to do the maths in your head and think, all right, I'm saving 20%, but I'm paying all this in postage where here I would have paid hardly any. And then, of course, you go over to the UK and you look there as well, and you spend 15 minutes with the spreadsheet, the slide rule, trying to figure out where's the cheapest place <laughs> to buy it. But if Amazon comes here hmm. and they've got warehouses and they've got local logistics, then they could, be, that should be cheaper than buying stuff from them overseas. But they had to ship it here in the first place but they shipped it here in bulk on a container ship and didn't fly out just one TV for you or one yeah. couch for you. So you would think that they should be able to beat the prices they're offering when they had to ship stuff here.
2: And I also wonder mostly, is this going to put a fire under Harvey Norman and what have you because they'll be able to offer it at the prices that they want or are they going to have to add on the Australia tax and have uh, items priced about the same as our local retails?
1: Well, that, that depends because sometimes the Australia tax is not set by the retailer, it's set by the actual vendor. Right. So when they set a minimum, um, recommend a minimum retail price, but Amazon has the clout to push back on a vendor and say, you are charging too much for this. They are big enough to do that. So you would hope you would see these kind of things
0: balance out. So an, an interesting part of that story, though, was uh, it said under new laws that come to come into effect July 1st, overseas businesses with an annual turnover of 75000 or more Who's policing that? We're we just going, oh, uh, okay. Like, um, I don't know, Samsung. Yeah, they're they're under more than seventy five thousand. So yeah, it depends if okay.
1: it's opt in or opt out. It depends if you have to prove that you're under seventy five, or if they want you to prove that you're you're not over seventy five. If you know what I mean. They yes. Should, you think they'd be asking everybody? The way to do it is ask every retailer. But how do you? you know, like you say, there's a million of them. There will be yeah. ones in the middle who are $100,000 companies who will just they won't catch them.
0: And look but I think they
2: will
1: catch the million dollar company. Like
2: Bob's USB dongles and devices eBay shop where he's only got it online and that's the only place, but he still yep. might do 100,000. Yeah, and but he's probably not going to get caught up in this.
0: Yeah, but what what compulsion is there or what <laughs> what what's the what's the uh you know what? What what big sticker they got to say? Someone in China China's going to give us stuff about our GST rules. Yeah. They're just going, go, oh yeah, we're under seventy five thousand. They might sell yeah twenty million dongles well, I don't a
1: week. Know what they can do about it? I mean, That's They right. don't have the great uh, firewall that they wanted, so they could block people. <laughs> so, yeah, at, at, at the end of the day, I don't know how much they can do them do about it. I don't know if they can find them because they're in a foreign jurisdiction. They can't block their website. Um,
0: maybe they can complain. Interesting to see. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. But
1: as you say, China, for example, the, the, those businesses aren't really going to care and they're not that afraid of Australia.
0: Yeah. And I think most of the time when you buy something off eBay, it's only some little, well, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's just some little trinkety thing really. Like it doesn't, it's not, you know, I'm not buying TVs. I'm not buying fridges or anything like that off eBay. I can't remember what the biggest, the biggest item is that I've purchased. Uh, I honestly I'd can't a tell phone you.
2: And I, I sell uh, old phones on there, and yeah. I buy the odd phone I have got from eBay. But um...
1: I bought a second-hand pool table. It's sweet. Really? really sweet. How'd you Mike and I had to drive across town, oh, no, put it in the back of the station wagon. We couldn't get the boot down, so we had to wrap it in blankets, tie the boot down with a foot omen at the back, and then drive home through the, the city link, the tunnel under the river, to get <laughs> home with this pool table in the back. It's Best two hundred bucks ever spent.
0: So what sort of car did you have?
1: Uh Mitsubishi Magnum Wagon. Right. Sadly gone to that big uh, wreckers in the sky yeah. since. But yeah,
2: it served me. I oh, well. no wonder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was That's its like, last its
0: last car. It was his last one. Yeah. All right, good <laughs> stuff.
2: Like, screw that, I'm not doing that any again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it died for a worthy cause.
0: Well, there's been plenty of stories of Lace about devices connected to the Internet maybe looking at you and eavesdropping on you. Uh, the Samsung TVs especially was ones that come to mind. But now there's an, another one has joined the, joined the, uh, the ring of devices. It's the Bose headphones. Now, Bose is being sued for allegedly spying on its wireless headphone customers by using an app that tracks the music, podcasts, and other audio they listen to. When, which apparently it violates the privacy rights by selling the information without their permission now Bose has an annual sales income of three point five billion u s dollars so it 's quite a big company. A lawsuit was the latest to accuse companies of trying to boost profit by quietly amassing customer information and then selling it on to uh, or using it to solicit more business now first point i 'd like to sort of make about this this particular article is uh, if a company's worth or is selling three point five billion US dollars annually, there must be a lot of money in in uh, private information, mustn't there? Like are they really can, really worried about the income from selling what podcasts people are listening to? Uh, what do you think, Jace?
2: Big data is really uh, valuable and uh, profitable at the moment. so the more metadata you can collect on anybody and everything, and there'll always be somebody who wants to buy that, and uh, it's getting increase, increasing all the time now.
1: And it can turn into an ongoing revenue stream for them, even if it's just a trickle. Rather than selling headphones and getting paid once, mm. you sell the headphones, and then you get a few cents per month per customer, and it
0: all adds up. Yeah, because like normally you'd be thinking, like, when I, was, I started first reading this, I'm thinking, oh, they, what, they're just going to collect what what podcast what music i listen to like i don't really care Like, who cares really but i think the the rub comes when when you read on and you find that it's the app that you have to download from the app store which is then tied to you which is you know all, yeah i yeah, don't
2: really care that glenn was listening to you know a certain podcast but they cl- they care that this white australian guy in northern queen in the queensland is listening to a technology Hello, podcast <laughs>
0: yeah my waterloo
2: listening to vertical holes quality (laughs) podcast
0: yeah so uh yeah look i don't know i didn't really disturb me too much uh adam are you a privacy well nuts like
1: not a privacy nut but i'm interested (laughs) thank you
2: for that glenn (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: yeah. uh because i wrote about the the metadata stuff and the um metadata retention scheme this week and i kind of said that everyone has to draw their own line in the sand sort of between, uh, you know, paranoia and complacency. There is the whole, right, it's time to burn off my fingerprints and live in the woods on berries. And at the other end, it's like, well, I don't care. There's no privacy left anyway. Um, yeah. I think that there are so many businesses that do this. If you use Google, if you use Facebook, if you use any of these things, this is already happening to you anyway. And it's in the terms and conditions. If Bose has put it in Mm. the terms and conditions, then I can see why people are unhappy with it, but, It's there. A lot of people do it. Um, It really depends if it's being identified to you. Are they using it to specifically market things at you? Or as you say, are they just saying, all right, white guys who live in this part of the country like mm -hmm. this kind of music, so maybe they'll buy this brand of aftershave. I don't know. It sort of depends how big they want to dive into that data
2: because it, it likes both kinds of music country and <laughs> western
0: <laughs> yeah so um yeah so i guess yeah i forgot what i was going to say now but anyway we'll go on to the next one happens to the best of us i know the country music through me uh now microsoft confirms it's patched most of the nsa's world windows exploits now yeah, you would have heard from previous weeks where the uh, NSA uh, or WikiLeaks has, uh, you know, laid bare all the NSA's secrets about uh, how they hack devices and computers like and whatever but microsoft said it had patched most of windows vulnerabilities purportedly exploited by the nsa using tools that were leaked recently microsoft retired windows vista this year and even older windows xp more than three years ago but xp and server 2003 are probably the biggest ones at risk because they haven't had updates since 2014 so pretty much microsoft is just trying to urge everyone onto windows 10 you should be on Pretty much it should be on 10. Even uh, updates to 7 are still coming through, but they're still pushing to get on to Windows 10. If you've updated, uh, that's all good. Now, um, yeah, I think How we... How
1: worried are you about the NSA coming to get you, though? That's, that's the question you have to ask. What, yeah. is, what is your risk profile? Seriously, yeah. are they out to get you?
2: Yeah, and... I'm it, a white Australian male. I should not have any problems. <laughs> yeah. They
0: don't yeah. care about me. Yeah, so, uh, look, I... I Yeah, so are you trying to say, are you getting it? If if you're not doing anything wrong, this is not going to hurt me?
1: No, that's a slippery slope. I I don't like it when people say, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear because that's how they get away with doing this stuff and then one day they go too far and you think, how did we get here? Mm. Oh, that's right because back there we didn't say anything. But at the same time, like I said, you've got to draw your own realistic line in the sound. Is the NSA really likely to come looking for you? Are you doing anything that's going to be a problem? If you, you know, if I'd be more worried about hackers breaking into your computer to try and steal your banking details or ransomware, encryptionware and stuff like that, then I would be about the NSA. Me mm. being a journalist, perhaps my my risk profile is a little bit different to your, to your average person. Again, if you're the CEO of a company, then your risk profile is different. So you really got to ask yourself, what do I realistically, what am I afraid of? what's the realistic risk and what's the realistic consequences if it happens and then you think about well how much do i need to worry about vpn's how much do i need to worry about the nsa how much do i need to worry about those clicking sounds when i pick up the phone
0: yeah <laughs> so and so in your in your business in your line of business do you do you go out and buy say the non chinese routers and you do you go down that path or um, I,
1: no i don't quite go down that path i would a bit more If I was uh, writing about security or if I was doing a lot of business investigations and stuff like that, where I really thought that I was more of a risk, it does Mm. occur to me every now and then when I'm writing a story, I wonder if somebody was reading this over my shoulder. But if I I wrote about security, if I wrote about international relations, if I was writing about China, I would be a little bit more concerned about these things. But I still take reasonable risks. I use VPNs when I'm on networks that I don't trust. Uh, I use a lot of c- encryption, HTTPS, um, two-factor authentication, the kind of things that your average person should be doing to protect themselves. The NSA wants you; they'll get you. All right. Oh, it Doesn't yeah, matter true. what you do. They the, the pedophiles using Tor, they still mm. got them in the end, right? Because mm. if that if you are if if you're doing something that bad, they will get you. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You've got to ask yourself what. What's your risk profile? Who realistically is out to get you, and how hard are they? How far are they prepared to go to do it? Yep.
2: And you certainly don't click on links that people send you through Facebook Messenger, right? Oh, God, definitely no. not. <laughs> <laughs> no. But also the the, the messages about um, the business
1: scams are, are much uh, more likely. You don't get emails anymore that saying, "Hey, you've won the British Lottery. Click here." All right, they know that. Mm. You get an email that says, "Hey, you've got a speeding fine. If you don't click here, you'll have to pay." Or the business ones are really clever. I've been getting ones about BPAY recently that say, you've received a BPAY payment, click here for the details. And I think, yeah, okay, I'm a business, people pay me money, and then I stop and think, hang on, but I've never received an email like this before, and actually no one pays me by BPAY. If you work for a business and you didn't know how the whole business works, you go, yeah, all right. Or you get an email, it's a purchase order. Here's the purchase order to fill out so we can pay you. And I think... Oh yeah, I must write for these people. Click. Yeah. I've never done it. But I can see a few times I've thought, gee,
2: I can see how someone would really fall for that. Yeah, and I but think It's um, really important as well. There's a lot of spear phishing that happens these oh, days yeah, where absolutely. you'll get emails from it says it's come from somebody in yeah. your company. It's like, yeah. you know, Bill Bill Smith who who works in IT is yeah. it looks like the email came from him, it's got the company logo, it's got his uh, signature that he puts on the bottom of every yeah. email. They're
1: called and business email compromise scams, I think, yeah. and it's yeah, it appears to come from inside your business, coming from a superior saying to you, "I need you to transfer yeah, this money true. to this account now." And you think, mm. "Oh, okay. I to do that," and yeah, next yeah. thing you know, the money's gone. Go so there's spear phishing is usually external. It's someone trying to get in. They've done their research. They've found their particular mark inside the business. All right, this is the person who's authorised to pay invoices on this thing. I'm going to hit them with a very um, realistic looking invoice because I know them. I know exactly what they're expecting. That's spearfishing. It's targeted, but these business email compromise ones are a bit different because they actually get inside your own system. So the email, as you say, seems to come from from someone within the business, from your own supervisor. And there are examples on that where businesses have lost millions because mm. the CIO says, "I'm going to a meet. I'm going to a meeting with these people in thirty minutes. Quick, we need to pay their invoice. Send two million dollars to this." Uh, offshore account and yeah. their assistant goes yeah okay click
0: yeah that's done it's, it's done. not
1: their fault they're doing their job
0: yeah that's right and there's obviously there's procedures that businesses are well, once bitten you're going to put in a procedure aren't no, you? you to...
1: that's what you need it's all about procedures and policy and training it's not just technology solutions it's about it's training teaching your people to spot these things and teaching yeah. you have one person in the business who pays invoices and yeah. anyone else who gets voice has to forward it to them and that person is trained it's when someone goes Oh, okay. This isn't really my job, but I best guess I better deal with this. That's how you get burnt.
0: But the one that was uh, that raised its head this week was fake Australian Securities Investment Commission emails. And as you yeah. say, like these ones, you know, if you got a, a, an email into your thing looked like it was from a, the A uh, the ASIC, you'd be going, yeah. okay, yeah, my business name must be due to renew. Click. But, uh, you know, Chocolate. and yep. you'd go, okay. Now I've got a little Java exploit on me ki- on my system, because um, yeah. this particular one
2: or it pops up one of those lovely red screens and says, <laughs> "I hope you've got a lot of bitcoins because we're yeah, going to need them." Yeah, because you're going to need them.
0: Yeah. So emails reportedly asked customers to renew their business details via the provided links, which, when clicked, would activate a Java script dropper and infect computers so many with malware. So
1: for that, and I couldn't yeah. blame them.
0: Really? Yeah. Look, I, I, I asked, I'll i get Jace's uh, answer here, but a JavaScript dropper, does that mean you click on it? It's not a zip file or anything. We go, ah, oh, zip file, yeah, I know, I'm not going to open those. But a, a JavaScript dropper, is that just one click and you're gone? Like, it's yep. it's in. Yep.
2: It'll run in your browser, your computer. Most of the computers have um, web views built into them you know it started out that uh, windows explorer was a different app that had its own way of drawing things and uh your browser was something your email was something but now all of those use embedded information which can write embedded applications which can run visual basic scripts they can run javascript and all of this is built in so you get this rich text or animations or images and things like this Mm. in your email or Windows Explorer has views that are actually a web view of an image or a page or something like that, like when it renders a thumbnail and things like this, and that can just automatically set things off.
0: Now, the originating domain here that these emails were being sent from was ostgov.com. Yeah, that's pretty tricky isn't it uh and it was registered in china so there you go but like is it do you think it's also it should be a responsibility of say your mail your mail server or your mail host like say google and and uh, outlook they, they probably they get a they get a whiff of this osgov.com they probably just drop that straight away uh like is, is that something that your mail provider should be should be on top of do you think like is would should be on top of these type of things um what they do you think with are, uh,
2: yeah, they, they use, all they all use uh, they all yeah. use anti-spam companies anyway to process emails that come into their system yeah. and um if enough people have clicked this is junk or this is spam or something like that and it'll train the systems and that propagates around the world to all the other companies to say that's the same thing plus there's a lot of heuristics that go on in email programs to detect is this look like it could be a kind of spammy junk thing i mean you get something in google and it'll say we think this 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 is spam but if you've written a rule i have um, email coming into one of my domains and i just say Don't send anything to spam because it's it's likely that sometimes it'll accidentally get there and i'll have an email come in that is actually spam you know you you open it up and it'll say google thinks that this really is spam and you shouldn't click on any links but you've set a rule that says do not send this to spam so just watch out kind of thing Mm, so you, you see that at the top of the email so you watch out for it but all of all of the ISPs, all of the web hosts, these kind of things. You can get spam assassin through cPanel and things like this that are all going to have their own version heuristics to detect this kind of thing in there. And as I said, once a few people have marked it as junk or spam it trains the systems. Yeah. because that once a few people still leaves a window of a few hours or a day or whatever. That's right. Which there's which always is... zero
1: day. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, because like, what's it? Is it with Telstra that they, uh, they charge you $10 a month to get some sort of spam software that sounds
1: like
0: telstra <laughs> yeah that's right so i mean like that sounds
1: a lot like telstra
0: <laughs> shouldn't it be their yeah. responsibility or well, not their no. responsibility but their uh
2: i don't see it that
0: way no well no they don't see it that way but yeah like i suppose if you're with google or outlook yep yeah, fine if you're just with your own host you know from a hosting provider somewhere maybe you should uh employ the services of spam assassin i think you're talking about jace uh, there's other ones out there mail guard uh but you might need something because these emails are coming through and just what if you're not on your game you, i'd probably click on something like that i and, have um,
2: my own servers hosted with a cpanel host and i just redirect everything to gmail and then do all my sorting of email there and then i can also send email from that domain in my gmail account so it looks as though it was sent from that one but it's actually in my gmail and gmail filters through all of those things there so i just use it as my basic anti-spam mm. system i don't have yeah. to pay mm. augmented reality which places computer generated graphics over real world environment first became mainstream when pokemon go was released on ios and android last year using augmented reality or ar players looked at the world through the phone's display, which combined the viewfinder feed from their camera and an overlay of 3D graphics and Pokemon. Seeing the hype technology created among users, Facebook announced at its annual F8 developer conference that it's working on its own AR platform to allow people to overlay digital images and text onto photos and videos in the social media platform. We're going to make the camera the first mainstream AR platform, Zuckerberg said at the conference. If you want to play chess, great, here's a chessboard. Pentamiming a chessboard on a coffee table. You have your glasses and I have mine. And even though it's not a real board, we can play and it feels like it's real. The Facebook founder took things one step further, saying the glasses could diminish the need for purchase of many household items. We don't need a physical TV. We can buy a one dollar app TV and put it on the wall and watch it, he said. It's actually pretty amazing. And when you think about how much of the physical stuff we have it doesn't need to be physical, it could just be digital and created by kids all around the world who don't need access to a factory to build a TV.
1: What a crock. <laughs> what an absolute crock.
2: Don't you like it? <laughs> no. No good?
1: No. No. So, well, I, I, how do you want me to break <laughs>
2: this down? What do you want me to say? Well,
0: start? okay, so now you were, you've seen the HoloLens. Have you used the HoloLens? Yes,
2: Microsoft HoloLens is sweet. Right, really nice. Have you used any of the other VRs or AR devices?
1: I've used the. I've used most of the other ones. I've used the Oculus Rift. I've used the HTC Vive, of the Samsung Gear VR. And the way they all work is you put a headset on with a screen in it, and then you can't see the real world. You mm. can just see the picture inputs in front of you. The difference with Hololens is that it's like glasses. So you can look through the glasses and see the real world around you, but then it's dropping things over the top. So it appears that things are in the real world around you. So it's augmenting reality rather than VR, which is basically replacing reality. Yes. Um, But what he's talking about here is dropping images into photos and video. That's a hell of a long way from AR. That's just dropping things on top of stuff. AR is you should be able to see it yourself. Me showing you a photo of me with Pokemon hovering next to me, that's not really AR. That's Photoshop. That's, yes. What do you think the idea of
2: the, the chess game where we're both wearing the AR glasses? The chess game, yes. The television. A blank table no. We can play, yeah. no, not TV.
1: The chess game could work. Something like a HoloLens, the chess game could work really well. You, you couldn't physically touch the Pete. How it would work, I'm not quite sure. But it is precise enough from what I've seen. You can do stuff. I played a game on HoloLens where things were coming out of the walls and I had a gun shooting them. And when you blew holes in the walls, you could see fake holes in the walls and the, the, the beams and stuff in the walls, and it was, it was awesome. But a TV on the wall, there's no way – we're a long way from a, a VR headset or an AR headset having a picture quality that looks as good as what a 4K television would really look like mm. on the wall. That's rubbish. It would look terrible
2: perhaps
1: so five or ten years from now but what kind no of way.
2: resolution you think you would get for, exactly um, yeah so how- there's no way going to look good enough yeah or something
1: it depends because you've got to remember that you're doing each eye as well and that's the thing with the smartphone the smart if you're using a galaxy uh gear vr with a galaxy whatever in it you're only getting half the screen per eye the oculus rift and the the vive and the playstation vr that's the other one they look sharper than the gear vr but you're still I've never seen anything that looks as sharp as real life. Oh,
0: that's right. So the Hololens, what's that? Where is that up to? Is that uh, when's that? What due to? They're not released. It's or, around.
1: You can order it in Australia, but it's not. Uh, it's not designed to be a consumer product. So they're really targeting it at business users. And the developer kit costs you know three or four grand or something like that. It's not. Mm. They're not intending it to be like a, a Google Glass. They're not intending consumers to wear it in the street. They're not intending you to wear it. Outside, it's a very specific thing, but it's wireless. Um, why do, it talks to a computer. Why
0: do you think Google Glass, What the, the backside fell out of that? What what do you think that happened? It's
1: creepy. They got yeah. it all wrong. They right. didn't think about how people would use it. And I think that's why Microsoft were really smart to go the other way with the HoloLens. They didn't want anything to do with Google Glass. They didn't want you in any way thinking that this thing was spying on the people around you, even though it could because it's got cameras... On the outside of it to map the real world, so in theory, it could be recording everything around you. Yeah, and I'm talking to you, and it's putting up a little thing next to you that tells me your name and your interest. I'd love that because my memory's not the great. I'm, best, mm. I'm really looking forward to the day as a journalist <laughs> that I've got that tool in my pocket. Right. Yeah. But yeah. um, so they stayed as far away from glass as they could because glass was just it was too much of an invasion of the privacy of the people around you. Google handled it the wrong way. They got so excited about how cool it was. They didn't stop to think how people were react. people in bars mm.
2: are getting punched in the face for wearing yeah. Google Glass. And there's already yeah, a right, backlash right. in San
1: Francisco against the tech community. They they sort of feel that these people have come in and taken over. So the last thing you want to be you put is, all the house gonna, prices up. Yeah. So you're in you're you're in the bar with your friends, and in comes some tosser from Mountain View wearing a Google Glass <laughs> thing. It's like, let's
0: get him. I
2: do like the social thing where it says, oh, this is Glenn. He likes this. He's on these podcasts. Yeah. A bit like Daniel Suarez kind of book.
1: Yeah, that, that'd that be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Mm. And,
2: yeah. and particular where it's got their um, abilities, hobbies, what kind yeah. of jobs they do, that kind of thing. You're like, oh, that yeah. guy over there, he knows how. But i to talk to him about What this. I want
1: to see is, all right, this is Bill Murray from the MVN this the last time you spoke to him this is what he had to say to you this is what he said in the news recently these are the things you want to ask him about this is how he ties into everything else you know so i really want it to work with ai i want an ai personal assistant that knows everything i know and everything i've written about and says right i know that you need to ask this guy this question and then the ability to superimpose it in front of me so while i'm talking to him about it it's sort of prompting me. It's almost like I said a personal assistant in my ear saying, "Don't forget to ask him about this." You know, that to me would work really well. And as a journalist, if you're talking to a journalist, you kind of expect maybe that they're going to be using that technology. I wouldn't be trying to hide it, but you know, you, when you're talking to a journalist, you you know that what you're saying is is being recorded or someone's taking it down. It's not so much of an invasion of privacy as if you are sitting next to someone on the bus who doesn't feel that they're being interviewed. You know. <laughs>
0: All right, PayPal and Google, they seem to be uh, getting tighter and tighter uh, each day. Uh, they've got the new digital wallet partnership, and uh, jace has got some more on that.
2: Yeah, PayPal and Alphabet's Google deepened their relationship in America with a new agreement that enables payments through the tap of a phone from PayPal accounts at thousands of new retail locations. The partnership lets PayPal users link their accounts to Android Pay, Google's digital wallet, on smartphones running most versions of the Android operating system. This makes PayPal a funding option when people use Android Pay in locations, including Walgreens, Boots Alliance, drugstores, and Dunkin' Donuts restaurants. Paypal was added as a payment method for Google's play app and digital content store almost three years ago. Paypal CEO Dan Schulman has been busy cutting deals with banks, credit card issuers and wireless carriers to convert Paypal from a payments button on website into a versatile financial tool used to make payments in stores, transfer money overseas and shop from smartphones on the go. The Android Pay deal increases PayPal's reaching stores, which Shulman sees as the key to getting customers to use PayPal more frequently than the current average of two to three transactions per month. This is the next logical step in our desire to partner with everyone in the ecosystem, said Ankur Aria, senior vice president at PayPal unit Graintree, which enabled the Android Pay tie up. These partnerships don't happen unless there's value for both sides. One big challenge remains. PayPal accounts can't link to Apple's digital wallet, Apple Pay. I think I would like that. I'm always very hesitant to have credit card details in a phone or an app or enter them into websites. I use PayPal everywhere I can, mm. and they've also got insurance and stuff, same as the credit card companies. So um, I think, yeah, I'd I'd really love to be able to link PayPal into my Android Pay. I already have. Android Pay on my phone as my bank supports it. And sometimes I can just scan the phone and pay for things when suddenly people in the regional area where I'm like, whoa, what did you just do? Did you pay <laughs> for this with your phone? What's yes, the. Is there a, a novelty? Watch, is it, it just a novelty
1: though? Because we've got so many contactless payments options in Australia. That what's the difference between that and pulling your Visa card out of your wallet and swiping that? Yeah, well, Probably Not a lot
0: no that's right like pay yeah. pay but, there you go that's but,
1: why it's such a big deal in America because they have such uh, low penetration of contactless payments that for them it's new and magical and Apple's trying to pretend that it invented it mm. but here we've had PayWave and PayPass for so long and it's everywhere that we're like yeah, it's kind of cool, but you know, it's not a
0: game changer. <laughs> but I don't know because I don't use the the phone contactless payment system because I've got an iPhone and whatever. You know, there's no Apple Pay. Oh, I thought you were going to gonna say you
1: live <laughs> off the grid. You've burnt off no. your <laughs> fingerprints and you're living on berries in the forest.
0: <laughs> no, not not yet. I'm am working on it. But uh, like I was, I was down at Dan Murphy's, you know, and you got you know you got the little card, Dan Murphy's membership card or whatever. And but you can have it on your phone, and they can scan the the barcode on your phone. But I got oh, okay. yeah. yeah, so I got into there, and I think you know I've got it on my phone. No worries, but. you're get to the counter and you're fumbling around going, oh, unswap the phone, unlock the phone and, and you know, trying to get yeah. the app to work and all this sort of stuff. Well, I, I don't know what the, the payment process is like on these phones, but uh, Jason, you've got the Google Wallet thing. Um, how does that work? Do you fumble around? Android
2: or? Pay, you just open the phone and as long as it's active, you don't have to unlock it or anything. You can just put it on there like you would with your card. It goes beep and it's charged your bank card. They don't get your actual uh, bank card details either, which is probably one of the things that the payment systems in Australia don't like, because you, they get a virtual credit card, which is another uh, credit card number that redirects to your account and takes the money out of there. So the vendor doesn't actually even I see your credit card. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah. So I don't. What's the advantage for Google? Do you think in this this partnership? I, I can obviously see the advantage for PayPal. Uh, is it just that Google is just another another payment system another thing to offer
2: maybe there are people who don't have a credit card or they've just got debit Oh, debit cards should work contactless do they um yeah I don't think I've got one but um, some people just don't like using credit cards maybe they'll use their phone or mm, but yeah. if if Google wallet doesn't
1: work with PayPal you start to and you use PayPal you start to think oh well there are things I can just pay for with payPal why the hell would I stuff around with Google wallet but once you're compatible, once Google Wallet's compatible with more things, you go, all right, I'll use Google Wallet because it works with my PayPal account. So it's kind of mm. smart to be compatible with the big players rather than try and go it alone
0: but do you think like do you with your google wallet or whatever you call it do you have to say okay i want to use this credit card that's my default credit card or you
2: can select which one yeah or you can scan it if you've got multiple cards and say i want to use this card this time or that card or you can set up the default one any of those things
0: right interesting very interesting Mm -hmm. all right uh well that's about all we've got for you uh for this week uh so um yeah, hope you enjoyed it. If you've got any questions, uh, you can reach me at glenn at aussietecheds.com.au. You can reach Jason at – Jason is it Jason or Warlock at Aussie One of those <laughs> ones. They'll both get there anyway. Uh, Warlock yeah. at aussietecheds.com.au. And, uh, Adam, where can people reach you? Uh,
1: just go to adamturner.com.au, and that's where you'll
0: find Oh, right. how good's that, eh? The old uh, vanity <laughs> all the domain. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. So what's your email address? Have you got, like, adam at com? something like that I
1: can't get .com. maybe i've been after adam turner.com for 20 years and the guy who's got it i haven't told him that i want it because then he's going to jack up the price but one time he's going to slip up and forget to renew
2: it and yes. it'll be mine. i <laughs> yes. had the same thing with jason yeah. this guy had it but he wasn't using it so yeah. i registered jason Oakley.me and used that for a couple of years and then yeah. one day i was bored at work i thought oh, i'll do and i actually got an email from him one time saying hey your and, and it CC anyone who was Jason Oakley in the world, oh. he didn't BCC. So I was yeah. like, no, I'm not going to pay your. That's not getting price. in a bidding war mm. here. Yeah, I haven't six, tipped this guy off, but one day he'll. He won, and, and then it. six Whoops. months later, I saw it was free, so I was like, yoink.
0: I'm yeah. waiting. I'm waiting for that day as well, <laughs>
2: because <laughs> because too so many Glenn got online in the world. nemesis. That's right.
0: Yeah, I know this is this is my page now. Well, well not mine, but glengoodman.com. It used to be a, a Glenn Goodman selling guitars in the U.S. So things have changed. He's looks like the hosting has is dropping. So maybe, <laughs> maybe he's only parked Keep now. Yeah. Just renewed. don't tell anyone yes. in
2: public or, or on a podcast or anything. Yeah. Never never <laughs> mention it on a
0: podcast. That's number yeah, one. That's right. right. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: okay rule of acquisition, number 912. Don't <laughs> mention right. what you want on a podcast.
0: All right. So uh, thanks, Adam, for coming on. Uh, we'll thanks look... for having me, guys. No man. worries. We'll look out for you on the Vertical Hold podcast. Now, that's on YouTube, audio version, and iTunes. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Um, we've actually just got off YouTube. Oh, okay. We're weaning ourselves off YouTube for a while. There's a nice little video there from Alex Kidman saying, thanks for watching us on YouTube. But we're now we're on iTunes. We're on RSS. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn. Pretty much anywhere you want to listen to us, you'll find us. But if you go to, uh, let me think of the website. Uh, we're on Facebook. If you Google Vertical Hold Podcast, you'll find us. Or Good go stuff. to adamturner.com.au and you find but, a link.
2: Where should people go if they don't want to listen to you? <laughs> anywhere else.
0: Now, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash Aussie Tech Eds, youtube.com forward slash Aussie Tech Eds, or twitter.com uh, forward slash Aussie Tech Eds, or at Aussie Tech Eds. Uh, You can hear Aussie Tech Eds on the Aussie Tech Radio, which is a 24-7 back-to-back uh, collection of podcasts from Australia and New Zealand. only the All warlock, all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How good would that be? <laughs> okay, and, uh, can get vertical
2: hold on there, perhaps.
0: Yes, we might have to uh, discuss that. And uh, new shows are added each Friday. So tune in uh, cross-platform. Tune in radio is the best one to use for that. And search up Aussie Tech Radio. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week. And it's uh, goodbye from all of us. ta da! Bye. Bye.